mindfulness mode. It's okay that you feel differently because you are different. Welcome to the show. Bruce Langford here. Today, Mindful Tribe, I have a clinical psychologist with me. She's an author, she's a TEDx speaker, and she's a mom of two boys. And man, does she have a lot of professional expertise. And I can tell you that because I've just finished reading her book, uh, which I'm going to share with you more information about in a few minutes. And I'm really excited to tell you that I'm here today with Melissa Riley. Melissa, are you in mindfulness mode? I am in mindfulness mode, Bruce. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. So Melissa, what does mindfulness mean to you? Mindfulness for me means being in the moment and aware of what you're experiencing, both sensory-wise from the information coming outside of the body, as well as the information inside the body. And that includes awareness of what's going on in our mind as well. So it isn't being in the thoughts, but being aware of the thoughts. So, well, thank you for sharing that. And Melissa, you have written a couple of books and the one that I just finished reading is Thriving as a Mom Without a Mom. And can you tell me what took you to the point where you made the decision that you needed to write this book and make it available for other women who didn't have moms? Absolutely, I'd be happy to. So it was a bit of a journey for me getting to that point. So I was an older mom when I gave birth to my second son. My first son entered my life at the age of three when I married his father. And I had not had any biological children at that point. I had a difficult time um, carrying children. And so my son, my second son was born just a few days shy of my 38th birthday. I didn't realize during my pregnancy and my previous losses prior to his pregnancy, how difficult it was to go through this process without having my own mother to provide support and assistance. So when I gave birth to my son, my mother had been deceased for 15 years at that point. So I had gone through many years of grieving. I had experienced the adult milestones of marriage and career and things like that without her in my life. And so when I delivered my son, I expected nothing but joy and excitement and the normal fears that all new moms go through. But I was surprised by the impact of the grieving process that overwhelmed me the day of his birth. And so I felt overwhelmed and incompetent and nothing that I thought I did to prepare myself for motherhood seemed to be enough. I mean, after all, I was a mature woman, confident in who I was. I had been a psychologist for many years. My goodness, I had even taught parenting and treated hundreds of moms with their new mom anxiety, and yet none of that mattered. So I was just left feeling like there was something wrong with me, like I was just a, a bad mom, that I wasn't built for this. So I continued to see moms in my clinical practice um, after my son was born, and I started to notice 
over the years some patterns and some similarities amongst myself and other moms who didn't have the support and guidance of a loving mom in their life, whether that be because she had passed away or because there was some toxicity in the relationship. Um, and I became curious. And being the psych nerd that I am, I did some research and I didn't find a whole lot. So fast forward a few more years and I started to recognize that I was developing this framework that not only identified what the common experiences and challenges were, but what to do about those so that other women didn't feel as isolated, incompetent, and badly about themselves. Because we we all know being a mom is hard, but the reality is being a mom without the support of a loving mom yeah. is even harder. And we feel differently because we are different. We don't have the support and guidance. You know, we don't have that go-to person. We can't tap into her wisdom. And yeah, yeah, that's we true. are left with feelings of grief that can pop up at unexpected times. And so, right. And so I felt once, once I recognized this process and started um, developing, you know, a path forward and talking with more people and then, you know, starting uh, to coach women specifically on um, being a mom without a mom. I realized that I wanted the millions of moms that are out there that don't recognize that this is something that's impacting them. Yeah. I loved how your book gave specific solutions. Yes. I think that was really the thing that impacted me the most. And I loved how you explained, you know, hey, I've got these different people in my life and you can too. And each person has a different role. Can you share some of that with our listeners, Melissa? Absolutely. So we are not biologically designed to raise our families by ourselves, right. regardless of how society sets us up to do so. We just aren't. And for most of human history, families were raised within communities and women had, you know, their mothers, their aunts, their grandmothers, their sisters, their cousins, and a whole tribe of people to be with them. It's now in our current culture where that has in many ways disappeared. And so particularly um, moms without a mom need to actively seek out the roles that a mom will typically play. And so they include having people that I like to call wise women. So these are the people that know things. So they answer questions and they just have this plethora of wisdom and that you can call on and they're generous in sharing their knowledge. The second I like to call um, the emotional supporter. And so these are the individuals that are really good at listening. And so they don't give advice. They don't try and cheer us up. They just let us be where we are. The third, I like to call the go-getter. And so these are the people that have tons of energy. They're great at getting things done. They are the people that can um, get the groceries, shops, and house clean, laundry, and um, the kids off to school all before eight o'clock. Um, 
I am not one of those people, by the way. <laughs> they just are built to be very task oriented. And then the fourth person um, or category of people, I like to call the late night talker. And these are people that just have a different schedule and are available during those off times, which is important, particularly if you have an infant in your house. So none of us typically fit all of those roles unless in, in uh, it's a mother-daughter relationship that's healthy and close, um, which many of us don't have. But we just naturally don't fit all those categories. So for example, I'm, no surprise, a good emotional supporter. I'm great at listening. I'm great at being able to just kind of be there where you are. But like I already said, I'm not a go-getter. I'm not the person that you will call if you need help getting your house put back together right. after your kids have been sick, yes, right? right? I wish I was, right? I, I wish I was that person that that you know, my friends could call up and say, Hey, I need help with this thing, right. but that's just not me. Yeah. And that's okay Yeah, because I'm good at other things. And so if we know people that fit into these different categories, when we're looking for support or assistance in something, we can choose the people that are best able to help us with those things. Yeah, absolutely. That makes so much sense. It really does, Melissa. Hey, you know, Mindful Tribe, I just wanted to remind you, I'm talking with Melissa Riley, and we're talking about her book, Thriving as a Mom Without a Mom. And I, I just want to ask you, Melissa, a lot of times when people write books, there's a revelation that they have as part of the writing process and as part of really digging into this subject. Was there a revelation that you had when you wrote the book? You know, I think one of the revelations that I had was that grief has been part of my life since I was a child. You know, and I talk about the early life losses I experienced and I have become very comfortable with grief. And I know that sounds really strange, but, but it's almost been like an extra character in my life. And for most of my life, I feared it. I don't think it does sound strange. I think it sounds... Sounds really mature, actually, because grief is a part of almost all of our lives. And a lot of times we do try to push it away. We do try to pretend that it doesn't exist. So what's the first step in embracing grief if that's part of your life right now? Well, first, recognizing that grief is simply an experience and an emotion, that there isn't anything dangerous or harmful about it. So we don't need to fear it nor avoid it. We, it can be intense and it can hurt, right? But it doesn't wound us. And so recognizing grief for what it is becomes really important. And then expressing it is also important. Now, when I say expressing grief, that doesn't mean that we're necessarily talking about the losses we've experienced. But we express grief through um, journaling, through artwork, through song, dance, movement. There are lots of ways that we can express the longing that we have for what we don't have in our life, whether that be a person, whether that be a situation, whether that be a future we had hoped for, right? So imagining right. A, a relationship that just will never be there. Yeah. And being able to share that in a way that takes 
the experience that's inside of our body and puts it out into the universe so that we then can do something with that. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I just want to cut in here and share with you a little bit about one of my clients. Here she is. My name is Danielle Janens. I've struggled with my inner bully, low self-esteem, and lack of self-worth for years. My relationships with family members have always been difficult, and I've gone long periods of time without speaking with them. Since I've had the honor to work with Bruce Langford on hypnotherapy, my life has changed for the better. I've been able to establish more boundaries in my relationships, which has allowed me to renew a connection I've not had in a long time with my family. I'm able to talk with them without constant confrontations and tensions, and we are now able to communicate on a weekly basis. An opening has come up in my coaching calendar, so if you identify with Danielle and you'd like to just connect with me and talk about what I can do to help you using hypnosis and the therapy that I offer with my coaching, then just send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and we'll get on a call and talk about it. And now back to the show. Melissa, what's your favorite way to express yourself? I love honestly to, to write letters. Okay. And so I write letters to the people I've lost, including my mom and sisters and other loved ones. And I keep it as a running dialogue. And and if I'm not writing letters, I'm having the conversations in my my head. So it keeps them as part of my life, even though they aren't here with me present in this space and time. And so it's an active relationship. Right. What was the single most challenging thing about putting this book together? Um, Finding my author's voice, Mm -hmm. I think, because these stories are my stories. And I'm also a clinical psychologist who writes professionally. um, But this book wasn't being written for academics. Right, sure. And it wasn't a scholarly book. And so I was constantly going back and forth with being personal and myself versus having this critique of, wait a minute, you're not citing enough things. You don't have the, right. you know, the the evidence to back it up. And so it was this constant dance. And it's my, it's my first book and I'm, you know, I plan on doing more, but it's just kind of getting comfortable with the subject matter and being personal. And that was another thing that was difficult is as a clinical psychologist, emotional and personal boundaries are really important to the work that I do. And so people don't know those things about me. So putting that out there. Um, felt really vulnerable. And it was something that I needed to really work through. Okay, what is important for me to share? Why am I sharing this? And I came to the conclusion that sharing that information was really important because one of the things I struggled with was feeling so alone and therefore feeling badly about myself. And I don't want that for others. No, I don't want others to feel like there's something wrong with them. And so sharing my struggles, my vulnerabilities, as well as my successes, I think outweighed the the risks of, you know, kind of opening up my personal boundaries. 
Right. Well, Melissa, you've uh, recently been working on a new book, Affirmations for Moms. I was wondering if you could share with us about what is an affirmation and how you feel it's valuable as a mom. Yes, absolutely. So I'll I'll admit, you know, I was in college in the early 90s and Saturday Night Live was something that, <laughs> you know, many of us watched. And there was this skit that was very popular, um, um, a smoothie, smoothie, I forget his, his name, but it was the guy that did these positive affirmations and he would stand in front of the mirror and say, I'm good enough. Um, gosh, darn it. People like me, you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it, it was like a joke. Yes. Right. And, and so I had this conception of, Oh my goodness, this is just silly, ridiculous stuff. Right. Yeah. But, you know, then, you know, going through, you know, my training and doctoral program and everything, I've learned the power of the mind and I've learned the meaning that we make impacts not only our experience of the world, but our physical bodies as well. And so affirmations are simply an example of words that we use about ourselves to ourselves that can impact how we feel about ourselves, but also impact the way our body responds and acts. And they are really powerful. They're not the end all be all, but they can be a very simple, easy practice that we incorporate into our daily wellness routines. And um, so they're, they're like little pep talks. They're, they're little positive speeches and it can be simple, you know, simple as, you know what? I'm doing the best that I can today as a mom. And I feel really good about that. So there's simple little messages. And so this new book that I'm developing is geared to those affirmations specifically for moms and moms of all stages, right? I've got uh, you know, ones for new moms, moms of infants, moms of school-aged children, the moms who have adult children, because we don't stop being a mom once our children become adults, so true. right? But it's different. Right. And then I've got affirmations for the angry mom, for the sad mom, for the grieving mom, for the mom without a mom. Right. So, so things that you can kind of pull in, you know, I'm really struggling. Let me look, you know, specifically, you know, and, and then what, what lands with you. And, and just, again, I'm all about incorporating things in little ways, especially moms, you know, the idea of having to add another thing to our plate is just overwhelming. So if we can do something that, you know, takes five seconds, or we can incorporate something into something else we're already doing, I'm all about that. Yeah, I agree. I agree for sure. Uh, Melissa, I want to ask you a question about bullying. I've worked in that field for quite some time. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Absolutely. Um, you know, I was kind of toying back and forth with examples of bullying. And I I think I've got two real quick. One was uh, my little sister when we were uh, in high school. So she was two years younger than me and she had some learning disabilities, uh, you know, attention deficit. Um, and back in the early eighties, that kind of stuff wasn't really talked much about. Um, so she was just a, you know, weird kid. Anyway, uh, I was just always good at emotionally regulating her. Well, one day 
this girl was picking on her and threatening to beat her up, you know, physical violence. And so my sister came to me and, you know, sharing this with me. Now, my sister and I are petite, we're small, short. This girl was a big girl. So even though I was only a year older than her, she absolutely could have hurt me Mm -hmm. violently. There was no way I could have defended physically. But I had the wherewithal to know I needed to protect my sister at all costs. So I needed to stay calm. I needed to be very assertive and direct and, you know, convince this girl that if she harmed my sister, she would have bad things happen. Um, But I had to do that in a way that didn't provoke her violence towards me because I knew I had nothing to back it up. And so, you know, it's still so present in my mind because it was really one of the first times I remember consciously being mindful of my own state and the state of people around me. And it de-escalated the situation. And she and my sister became really good friends after that. Wow. What a great story. It was. And I don't, like, I wasn't aware of doing that or needing to do that. I just, I just somehow intuitively did that. Right. And, and then the other example, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of mom bullying, you know, unintentionally. And for all the moms out there, you know what I'm talking about. The, the co-sleep versus sleeping separately, the breastfeeding versus the the formula feeding, you know, all these big, you know, cry it out. You know, there's all these different viewpoints that we feel passionately about. And that can unintentionally lead to bullying behavior, especially in some of the online spaces. And so for me, I think mindfulness and awareness of why you're becoming so triggered and needing to um, become negative in your commenting can be really helpful in stopping some of, of that bullying behavior. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, thanks for sharing those two stories, Melissa. As we move forward, I want to ask you five quick answer questions, Melissa. So just 30-second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Um, Victor Frankl, the author of A Man's Search for Meaning, and Thich Nhat Hanh, the, the Zen Buddhist master. Right. Okay. We'll put those in our show notes at Mindfulness Mode. My second question is about emotions. How has mindfulness helped you deal with your emotions differently, Melissa? It's helped me recognize that my emotions feel differently when they're regulated versus not regulated. So the intensity of uh, emotions isn't what's a problem. It's my body's ability to process that emotion so that I'm still functioning in a way that is consistent with my values and priorities. Well, let's talk about breathing. Let's just Mm -hmm. talk about how mindfulness has uh, maybe allowed you to think of breathing differently or maybe even some breathing techniques. Well, breathing is at the heart of our being. It is the first thing we do and one of the last things we do in life. And so it influences 
everything, both physiologically as well as emotionally. So when we become aware of our breath and intentionally slow it or change it in certain ways, then we experience a different awareness of ourselves. So I am very mindful of the way I breathe. And one of the mistakes I see very often when people are anxious is they think if they take a big deep breath, it'll help calm them. And that's actually not true. Taking a slow out breath is much more calming. Mm, okay. Well, your book, Thriving as a Mom Without a Mom, is a book that I recommend. Are there any other books that you would recommend to our listeners? Absolutely. Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And then Thich Nhat Hanh's, his, um, I loved his Peace in Every Step. I found that to be super helpful. And um, for the other more psych nerds out there, Dan Siegel writes a lot on, on interpersonal neurobiology and his um, mindfulness things. And so he has a great one out right now called um, Aware. And that's a wonderful book as well. Okay. Okay. And any apps that can help with mindfulness? I like Headspace. I think it's an awesome app. It's got great automations and, you know, the, the voice in your head. The, I just think it's awesome. Great. Well, before we wrap up the interview, do you have any final words of advice for our listeners, Melissa? Absolutely. For any of you out there that are parenting without the support and guidance of loving people in your life, I want you to know that it's okay that you feel differently because you are different. But there are lots of things that you can do. And if you need support, reach out, reach out to other friends, reach out to professionals, therapists, coaches, because there is assistance for you. You don't need to do this alone. Right. And uh, your website is momswithoutamom.com. And yes. is there a way that our listeners could reach out to you? Absolutely. I offer a free coaching call to anybody. Um, so I truly value connecting and assisting with people. So that's available on my website. I'm also on Instagram at momswithoutamom.com. I'm on TikTok, momswithoutamom.com. Facebook, I have a Facebook group, uh, Thriving as a Mom Without a Mom. So I invite all your listeners to reach out, connect. Um, I want to hear from you. I want to support you in, in any way that you can. And there's lots of resources on my website, including blogs and things like that, that give, you know, tips and um, support and information. I also have an audio membership. It's called Echoes of Maternal Wisdom. And this is where I record positive affirmations, guided imagery and meditation designed specifically for moms and you get a 15 minute recording every week wow that yeah, sounds really interesting and we can find that on your website yes absolutely great thank you so much for putting all of this out into the world and helping so many moms with with their issues and thank you so much for being on mindfulness mode you are very welcome, Bruce, and thank you for all that you're doing. I, I think as the world becomes more mindful, you know, everything is going to get better. I agree with you. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. 
Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening today. You heard Danielle, my client, halfway through the podcast. And here's a little bit more from Danielle telling you about her experience with the hypnosis that I offer. I've also developed a sense of calmness that has been missing from my life. Now my battle with negative self-talk has eased significantly and I feel more freedom to do things I enjoy without the constant burden of emotional stress. Once you are ready to do the work, I would really recommend this program to anybody who wants to improve their life and give themselves the gift of having more peace and confidence. Bruce has made all the difference in my life and I know he can for you as well. So if you identify with Danielle, this is a perfect time to contact me. Send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and put in the subject line, time is right. And I will jump on a call with you and we'll talk about what can be done and uh, we'll go from there. So with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus and happiness. Stay in the mode.